0: Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl Cola B talking, and guess what y'all—we black in the garden. Hey. You have arrived at the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl Cola B talking, hostess with the mostess of Black in the garden. Hey, Soil Cousins. It's your girl, Colby talking, hostess with the mostest of the Black in the Garden podcast. You are welcome here. If you're new, we're not going to make you stand up. Everybody's not going to stare at you. We just want you to know that you're welcome. And if you've been here, welcome back. You know what it is. You know the vibes. I'm glad that you came back. And Soil Cousins are... Our listeners, our supporters, anybody who's rocking with Black in the Garden is a soil cousin. And I guess that kind of makes me, well not kind of, it definitely makes me the head soil cousin. And I'm happy to be that. Black in the Garden is the podcast that resides at the intersection of Black culture and horticulture. We are going to celebrate the past, present, and future black people with plants as long as I have something to do with it and y'all are y'all are blessed to be a part of this journey I wanted to just make a quick I want to make a quick editorial note and apologize for something that was happening with the sound quality on the last week I'm gonna go ahead and get that file cleaned up so that we can re publish that because it didn't sound like it needed to sound, and you know, you deserve better than that. So, we'll make sure that we update that appropriately and it can sound how it needs to sound. And, um, my bad. This is a special Saturday episode. Wow, how do I put this? Wearing all the hats at Black in the Garden requires some management ability. That, if I'm honest with you, I'm still growing into that. I am always happy to uh, get requests. support especially administratively uh how about an intern if you have a few hours that you can volunteer to help this podcast grow even more that's another way that you can support just drop me an email take a look at the episode notes and send me an email with the subject line intern and i will make sure that i get back to you so that we can figure out what your strong suits are and the best way for you to support so i'm excited about that we are back for part two of our interview with christine mays who at the time of the interview had her exhibit on display at atlanta botanical garden and a big shout out to atlanta botanical garden for sponsoring season five of this podcast. All right, so let me tell y'all a little bit about Atlanta Botanical Gardens, specifically my last visit, which was on Mother's Day. And there is a new exhibit, the origami exhibit. You had to be there. Follow my Instagram. I will be sharing some, some images from there, but the origami exhibit is really cool. It is a very... Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? It's all over the garden. We went to areas that we typically don't always get to go to. We went to the orchid center. We went to the conservatory, of course. Actually, I usually spend the most time in the conservatory because it's just, that's where all the tropical big leaf plants are. And I'm all about that big plant energy. But I said, look, I'm gonna go spend some time in the other areas. So spending time in different parts of the garden, just getting to really take it all in, enjoying some time with kids and friends, and really, really feeling blessed at that. And it's really cool to know that the Black in the Garden coloring experience is in their gift shop. That's so amazing. We were on the way out and were sharing some love with some of the soil cousins there. I was actually uh, giving away some stickers and directing uh, everyone to go to the gift shop and get the Black in the Garden coloring experience. And if you're new here and you found me from (laughs) uh, meeting me on that day, what's up? Remember me? That was cool. Thank y'all for supporting. So Atlanta Botanical Garden is sponsoring Black in the Garden and a really amazing place to be. Of course, if you're in Atlanta, if you're not in atlanta when you get the chance to go make sure that you stop by there of course stop by the gift shop and pick up a copy of the black in the garden coloring experience and of course you can go to garden.com and get a copy for yourself no matter where you are it's we're shipping all over the world that's i love that for us and so definitely go over there and get you one okay so loving loving all of these chirping sounds and the the beauty of the ambience of nature it is unmatched and we celebrate that all the time here on black in the garden make sure that you take a look at the episode notes to find out all of the ways that you can support this podcast with your support that is literally how we grow word of mouth is very helpful sharing rating reviewing all that good stuff it helps in ways that you may not even realize but definitely do what is in your ability to do and we appreciate the intentionality behind that i appreciate it you know we got much more growing to do i'm excited to visit some botanical gardens all over the country as we continue on our tree planting tour in the next few months for the Underground Arborists. We're gonna talk more about that as, as we continue. I'm very blessed to have recognized the necessity for this mission. We'll talk more about that coming up here soon. But Soil Cousins, without further ado, let's talk more with Christine Mays about the way Rich Soil, the exhibit came together all of the ways that she works as hard as she does to put all of these sculptures together just so cool such a unique medium such a unique individual and i'm glad that we got to have her on the show now let's get into it hey soil cousins welcome to black in the garden where on this episode we are exploring the themes of how plants and creativity or just like gardens and creativity intersect and what better way than to have a conversation with an esteemed artist we're talking with christine mays who is a sculptor and a san francisco native and as for the rest we're going to get into all of it did you ever imagine that your art would be showcased in such a way was that something that was ever at the forefront of your mind i never thought
1: I never in a million years imagined it being in a garden. I'm a city kid, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm from San Francisco, mm-hmm. so we do not have traditional seasons here. Oh. Um, for the most part, the weather is like between fifty to sixty degrees year round. I mean, as a kid, we had the occasional house plant here and there, but mm-hmm. never, never to the extent of it being like a garden. And we're talking like house plants sitting on the balcony of, you know, like, so we're talking maybe a row of five or six plants as opposed Mm -hmm. to like walking through an entire Oh, not an indoor jungle. Right. Gotcha. So I was called by this garden here in the Bay Area that's just outside of San Francisco. And they said, oh, we saw your work online. We'd love for you to come here. And put together a show. And so they said, we have 15 and a half acres of land. So it might be good if you came and visited and just told us if this is something you want to take on. So I went and uh, saw this space, which was gorgeous. It was, had the feel of like the secret garden, all these really manicured, like English garden settings Mm -hmm. with these big wooden doors you could go through. It's gorgeous. Yeah. So I went there and looked around and that's really where the, the whole process of creating rich soil began. And even though I was looking at all of this lush greenery that and flowers I'd never seen before ever. And I realized then that I don't really know the names of flowers because they had all these markers where it would say what it was. And I was like, oh, oh, a lot that's of flowers. Interesting. That's what no. a magnolia looks like. <laughs> all <laughs> right I mean mm-hmm. even the, they even had an edible garden and even then I didn't know what certain things looked like mm-hmm. that were growing you know mm-hmm. so I just knew the grocery store version of it I didn't know what it looked like and that's know, not the growing same. out
0: of the ground that's a good way to put it because the grocery store version of an eggplant or like a squash for example is very different. You see the plant and you're just like, "Oh, what is this? This is lovely. What is it? What is it?" You know? Right. And I and you didn't indicate in your discussion of your upbringing that plants were really a big part of the situation. So, it's really interesting to see how we're having this intersection, having your black art displayed in the garden. And so, I could totally get it. Like, you didn't yeah. grow up in the garden, but as an adult, right, you are able to spend time there just by it being a literal place where your artist is played, so right that's pretty dope to be able to come come about it in such a way
1: yeah so mm-hmm. I looked
0: at everything and I loved it
1: but what stood out to me were all the landscapers that were on these little you know pushing their carts around and tending to everything and pruning it it was just a lot of Hispanic gardeners who were just going to town you know in California Mm -hmm. I'm always looking at the people that go unnoticed so I couldn't Mm -hmm. help but notice this and then as we as we wandered around um, this property had this huge mansion on it that's Mm -hmm. like their pride of this property Is that you see the gardens and then you see the mansion. And the side note is that I still was more fascinated with the gardeners than I I was the mansion. Yeah. But we're wandering down this hall and they're like, and here are the servants' quarters. And so I looked in this room, which it kind of gave me a little willies because I'm thinking like, I don't really want to see the servants' quarters, but
0: what? Not me as a Black American in here. Right. No, not... (laughs) Because you understand what the implications of servants are historically. Exactly. And that's just get uncomfortable just, if you were the only Black person in the group.
1: Right. And then all mm-hmm. of the dynamics of just the, the inequality behind, like, there are people we consider our servants and, you know, yes. among all of this wealth that we're looking
0: at. Mm-hmm. And so. And you just took note of all of the people that were working the land right Mm -hmm. and And noticing that this group of people that looks like this does this and these people do this and here i am and i'm just trying to make sense of this but you're also essentially scouting this place to see if you want to work with them exactly
1: Mm -hmm. so i looked at the i looked at this room and then there was this really old census page blown up in the hallway and it had a list of names they were all from european countries and um the woman who was doing the tour said, this is a list of, this is a census page that contains some of the people that worked here on our property. One of my friends is with me and she says, so where are the Mexicans? And she was like, excuse me? And she said, well, where are the Mexicans? I don't see any people of Mexican descent listed here. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, we have Ireland and we have London and we have, you know, Germany and and, and all the
0: Europeans.
1: And so she just keeps naming off all the Europeans. And hmm. I said, well, where do you have any documentation of people any of color, any people, you know, that's really what I was getting at. Yes. I'm like, you have any Mexican people listed here? Cause I'm thinking, cause there's plenty outside. Yeah. They're here. <laughs> so, they're definitely involved. But She says no. And she keeps going back to her script." And mm. it just became this whole awkward situation because I'm like, you realize this was Mexico, right? But you don't That's... have any listing. I said, what about First Nation people? Mm-hmm. And she said, Well, what is that? And I said, Native peoples like Native Americans. Mm-hmm. You don't have any record of them either. And she said, No. And I said, Well, this is a lonely land that we're standing on. I said, "In the agricultural belt starts like 30 minutes from here, Mm -hmm. you know? And and here in California, I mean, let's just be real. Like people of Latin descent really run all of the agriculture here. I mean, there's so many farm workers who who are of Mexican descent. Why wouldn't they be listed somewhere? So she didn't really know what to say and it became really awkward. And then I think she thought I was just going to go home. At the end of the tour, she was like, do you think you'll consider doing something with us? And just the way she said it, I knew she thought, like, we've lost her. Oh. So, at that point, the idea of rich soil was born for me because mm. I thought we need to honor the ancestors. Intentionally. So personally, this show was for me to honor my own ancestors, but I was also looking at it from the perspective of like all of the, the black and Brown people who have toiled the land Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: how there needed to be some recognition and and how I wanted to make the invisible visible. And so, you know, here I am with these sculptures that are kind of ethereal and spirit-like. And I thought like, that's how I want to do it. Yeah.
0: So that's how Rich Soil came about. How did you go from saying, yes, I will exhibit at Hillwood to actually doing the exhibition? Like how many pieces? How did that work? What was that negotiation like?
1: There were um, 29 pieces. We didn't have a set number of pieces when I started. They Mm -hmm. just said, do whatever you want to do. And Mm -hmm. so the pieces are loosely um, inspired by the Alvin Ailey dancers Mm. because the photos that I collected were, I like the way their dancers take photos in in clusters and all the bodies work together, like this whole like unified movement of people. I had to examine like how I would present it. Um, I had to look at the fact that the work would be outside. I had never shown work outdoors. And so the work is, is among all the elements of the weather and weather changes and everything else. Oh, yeah. And I also had to decide on a paint color because I normally paint the work in a rust-resistant paint. And mm. so what I decided to do, the the wire is a natu- is naturally just a steel wire. It's a heavy mm. steel wire. And so over time, it'll patina and rust. And so what I decided to do is to paint everything this really rich copper penny color, because I knew that when, when the work would, would rust, you know, once the patina started and the rusting started, it would turn to, in the most extreme circumstances, it would turn like a really vibrant orangey color. And so with painting it, this copper color, it blends with, with what's happening naturally with it. So that's been the yeah. mode <laughs> that I've worked under, you know, between each show. I I coat it, you know, just to, so that it goes out shiny. And then by the end yeah. of the show, it's the same color, but just a matte finish
0: to it. And what on average is the time frame for creating a piece?
1: The average time frame is between 60, 60 hours would be a fast, you know, mm fast process. So Mm -hmm. we're talking like 80 to 120 hours per piece. And so I still don't know how I managed. I managed to create 29 pieces in a year. And that Mm. was literally like working just around the clock for a year. I mean, I really had no social life and um, my mom was, you know, doing my laundry and
0: asking wow. me why
1: if I, if I ate anything. <laughs> and it was just
0: shout out to mom for mom and you know.
1: It was it was just quite the feat and you know, life hasn't really slowed down very much. It's just that you know, I'm doing what I love, so it really feels good.
0: Listen, I just because I know the climate out here for black women to hear you say what you just said is very grounding and it is very gratifying to know that that is the experience that you have. You get to be, you get to create what ignites your fire, you know, and that is your art. And it also impacts the world in a really cool way. And it gets to be exhibited in spaces that allowed me to meet you in this way. Because if you weren't displaying in the gardens, then I would have found you a different way, but it's so beautiful. And just reading your description, you said that your hope is that the figures will spring forth like spirits rising from the soil to be recognized, revered, and embraced. May they push through while at the same time mingling and dancing among the flowers. So right. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. The, the I thought was like, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, just around like the thought of like, you know, people being oppressed and having to struggle for so long. And then when they finally reach this point of, of becoming spirits, they're free from all of that and all of that weight and bondage and oppression. And they can just, they can, you
0: know, what better way to be free than to dance? Dance is definitely personification of bodily freedom and even autonomy to be able to move around in that way. And our ancestors definitely expressed that in so many beautiful ways. And fortunately for us, we do have that passed down to us. Don't tell me you can't dance. I don't believe you. Do you feel that you can dance? Yeah, I mean, I used to dance a lot. I, mm. I actually
1: dealing with a disability at the at this point in my life. But, and in some ways, I think I probably wouldn't have gravitated towards dance if if I weren't dealing with being restricted physically. I think more now I'm fascinated with dancers and movement. And yeah. All the Very ways will just effortlessly move just because yeah. now I'm <laughs> dealing with, with
0: uh, chronic pain in my knees mm-hmm. from arthritis that's taken a toll. Oh, boo to that. Boo to yeah. that. I love how you indicated what's happening with your art right now and what is most fascinating to you to emulate when you're creating sculptures, is there anywhere that you see your art going or do you just imagine that it will, as you're inspired, it will evolve and you'll just create what you feel like creating? That seems like the artist answer.
1: Yeah. You know, when I first started out as an artist, I wanted to create pretty things. And I was really like, you know, especially with the wire, I was like, how many pretty dresses can I make? And then it became wanting to add some meaning to that. And so mm-hmm. in the last, since like 2014, it's been uh, more socially conscious work. Like for instance, yes. uh, one of my pieces that sort of turned everything was, was this hoodie that I made in honor of Trayvon Martin. And, and since then I've made other pieces of art that have addressed a number of other issues like women's reproductive rights. And I created a piece in honor of the four little girls who died in the church bombing that set off the the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm in the process of completing a a piece that's around lynching. And it's called Modern Day Lynchings and Hashtag Memorials. Oh, that is heavy. It's been so difficult and it's been probably like four years of working on it Mm. and basically it's a it's a sculpture of the torso of a body that's been lynched and then i've hand embroidered the names of people who have been killed by the police onto ribbons and so at this point i'm almost to the end of it but when i my stopping point will be at a little over 365 names it's just hundreds of names embroidered in red on white ribbon. And the whole thing with hashtag memorials came about just because I was like, you know, as soon as you're on social media and you see the hashtag, you're like, okay, who's been killed now? Like, here it we feels, go.
0: It just, it doesn't resonate the same when it's a hashtag. It just makes it that much sadder to me. And I'm I'm really glad that you indicated uh, what you're doing with your art specifically related to social justice, because that's one of the questions that I want to ask in closing for our Soil Cousins listening, that I always like to see how we can make that uh, connection, uh, especially between art and social justice. So what does that mean to you? Like when you're creating something like that, how does that feel? It, it's really about like sounding the alarm and, and it still
1: goes back to making the invisible visible again, you know, um, mm. because so many people are oppressed or killed or mistreated. It's not even on the local news, never mind, yeah. even reported nationwide. To create that piece really shows the magnitude of just how many bodies are gone mm. when you see all of these names, you know, on these big streamers that are now draped down on the ground. So I've just noticed, I keep moving into this realm of like dealing with social justice in the sense of wanting to acknowledge people who have been uh, marginalized. Mm -hmm. For instance, with Rich Soil, with it moving You know, it went from California where we were in the middle of dealing with all the immigration things at the Mm -hmm. time. This was at the top of the pandemic is when it debuted here in California Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: they were carting away people and putting them in these camps and, you know, putting kids in cages with, you know, and all of this border patrol stuff was happening here in California. That was the context. That was what was on the forefront of people here. Then I go to D.C. and the show showed at Hillwood Museum and Gardens. And the the thought immediately goes to how D.C. was built on the backs of of enslaved people. And so while all of this has always been about me and my ancestors, personally, other people were like, this is our ancestors, too. So it became a reckoning because... Mm -hmm european or white people here in america they had to deal with that you know and reckon with like these were your family members who owned people and then you know they black people were dealing with all of the feelings around having enslaved family members so it was you know in the fact that this is america like this is just let's be real this this is the fabric of america and so then it's showing in Atlanta and the concept is still, you know, we're Ooh. here in the South and yeah. we have people who, are, who are, are oppressed and who have been oppressed and are oppressed and all of the, the uh, civil rights history that's, you know, just poured out in the soil of Georgia mm. So for me, it's like really powerful to see the concept or the context change with each location, but it all still comes back around to who's being overlooked here, you know, Mm -hmm. so, Mm. and who wants to receive the the message. And as an observer, I'm looking at how it's being received. Yeah. People who want to receive it for what it is, those who are wrestling with it, because it's not an easy subject, so... It's
0: not, I, what struck me that is very beautiful. And I think this is a great way to wrap it up is to consider that everyone, whether you meet them or not, whether they see your art or not, everyone energetically has a connection to the land. It is that connection. As I always say, soil cousins, the soil connects us anyway. So it is that connection to the land that makes the soil that much richer. So true. Yes. Yeah, so if you want to quote me in the next installation, that's fine. Just let them know I said that. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Here's one thing that I want to mention. You can go and you can see the rich soil exhibits, but the sculptures are also for sale.
1: This is true.
0: It's a very fun fact. You can get you one, you know, you got to have your coins prepared. And I know that there are plenty of us listening out there with that kind of abundance. So Just want to put that out there in case you were wondering, (laughs) how can I support this black art? Get you one. Okay. We're not going to get into the pricing and all that because when you get into the fine art of it all, you just talk to the broker. But did you want to speak to that before we uh, close out?
1: Yes, actually the work is for sale. Thank you for Mm -hmm. mentioning that. And Mm -hmm. I've had off and on, I've had lapel pins that have been created you know, different pieces that are part of the show. So, Mm -hmm. um, so you can contact me on my Instagram if you want one of those. And, um, my Instagram is, you know, Christine Mays. It's just, everything is under my name, Christine Mays with a K. K
0: K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E.
1: Yes. M-A-Y-S.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: So it's, um, you know, it's been fun to see the work go to, to different households and become a Mm. part of people's day-to-day life and then you know as one piece goes out um I end up building the collection is 29 pieces so Mm -hmm. with every um location there's some pieces that are integrated in so it's not the exact same uh um exhibit every every city it always has Mm. a slight change to it so it's just fun to see it evolve
0: so here we are, we've had this lovely conversation and I appreciate everything that you've shared. And um, is there anything that, that you wanna indicate to let people know how they can find you, how they can support your work or anything upcoming that you want us to take note of? You
1: can find me on um, www.ChristineMays, which is K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-M-A-Y-S.com. And you can also find me under Christine Mays on Instagram. Those are the two main spaces where you can find my work and, you know, see what I have going on. I have a show at a place called Sarenby, which is just outside of Atlanta, like 45 minutes outside of Atlanta. So still in, you know, you, if you live in the Atlanta area, you can still drive there and see the work Yeah, and it'll be there until November of 2022. Oh, and then, be chilling um, okay and then in 2023 it'll go to the Memphis Botanical Gardens so is
0: that a new addition yes <laughs> oh that's very exciting i've been thinking about going to Memphis Botanical Garden that is great next year yes. memphis mm-hmm. yeah so i'm
1: excited to see you know uh, you know all of it is eye opening because the work looks completely different in in a different setting You know, Mm -hmm. as you know, every garden is unique. Yeah. And so it's just exciting to see the work, the same, you know, some of the same work. Yeah. Look look in a completely different way,
0: depending on where it is. It's true, I mean, because the season's changing, so different things are coming up and blooming and everywhere has their their signature structure and the way that everything comes together. And we never know what's gonna happen the weather. So I am just wishing you uh the most success because one of the really cool things, y'all, because I like to tell y'all about the fun behind the scenes stuff, is Christine goes to help them pack up the show when it's over and also helps to you know set it, set up and arrange the pieces throughout the spaces that they're in. So at some point, Christine is actually physically present on the site to set it up. You're not just like calling them like, okay, put them over here. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> but you are a hands-on with this exhibit coming to be. So in that sense, you're on tour as well. So I'm really hoping that we'll be able to arrange something really cool in conversation in Memphis. That sounds cool. I wish we had more time. Yes. Right. well y'all heard it here first and uh because she said it and then we recorded it I'm gonna have to hold her to it we all will but christine thank you so much for joining us on black in the garden well thanks it's been an honor for sure wishing you love light and rich soil